we're in this series, 31 Days of Vertical Encounter. And the idea has been, some of us have been fasting, some of us have been praying, we've been seeking God uh, for what he has for us this year and how we can position ourselves to walk in obedience in that. And so that also happens as a church. Not only do we do it in our natural life where we go, okay, God, what do you have for us? But we also speak, uh, you know, we're talking to God about the church, what's the vision and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so in this series, we start to navigate what the obedience looks like. Okay, so how do we walk in that? And so today we're not really going to have like a sermon. It is a sermon, and, um, but it might feel a little bit more like the scripture would say an exhortation, something I'm just kind of reminding you of, or it's like our values that we'll talk about. And, um, and so I kind of want to look at, as we go forward as a church, there's some new things I want to share with you, uh, but I also want to look at our values and remember how we got here and uh, what's important to us as we step into a new year and the new things. And so I believe this, the scripture says that we are to go from glory to glory and uh, you continue to progress. There's really no such thing as like arriving in faith. Like, oh, God called me to this over here and I was faithful and I saw it through and I was obedient. And now that I've completed the, ke- the, the, I've completed the task one time and I got my medal, now I'm good. You know, like I have my faithfulness medal and badge. I'm good. I, I, I've made it. If you look at scripture, God is continuing to call us into like what we shared, a glory to glory and moving on and moving on. It, we're always called to live in faith and putting ourselves out there in a place where we trust in God. Because if we don't live in a place where we have to trust God, then really you're just relying on your own will and your own, right? And so, and so I think a big thing that happens to Christians is they do that. They've arrived. God saved us and our family's doing good and this is doing good. And so all of a sudden we just put it in cruise control or neutral and we just stay in this place. But God's called you to faith and faith. And so it's the same thing for us as a church. We're so thankful that this room is full and that we're able to have the things that we have that God has given us and we're able to see. But we can't just sit down right here. Somebody say amen. We have to say, okay, God, what's next? You've given us this for a reason. What are we supposed to do with it? And what's next? And what does it look like? Because God calls us, uh, Philippians 1.9 says that uh, the prayer for our lives is that we should abound more and more in the things that we've been taught. And so it's not like, okay, I've graduated that, I sit. No, you've, you've been taught it, so do more with it. You're more equipped for it, amen? And, uh, and so I love this thought, neutral is not natural to God. Neutral, being in neutral, just sitting in a place where you're not going forward, you're not, neutral is not natural to God. Even the universe right now, they tell us, is expanding at the fastest rate it ever has. Literally what God created is still doing more and doing more and doing more. And it's getting bigger and it's getting bigger. Why? Because God is a God of more. We talked about a few weeks ago. God is always calling us to grow and to do more and to expand. He wants more for our lives. Amen. So when I say neutral is not natural to God, some of you might say, well, wait a minute. There are scriptures that say, well, be still and know that I'm God. And so, and God, that is still moving forward. Sometimes God says, hey, I want to move you forward. And to do that in your life, I'm calling you to be still and trust me. That's still an obedient act of moving forward. I'm talking about complacency where you're not doing anything, where you're just, that's when God said to the wicked and lazy servant who put himself in neutral, hey, God gave him the, the, the parable of the talents and he says, hey, you take this and you, and he did nothing with it. He sat in neutral and God, oh, you're a wicked and lazy servant. Why? Because God's not into neutral. It's not natural to him to just sit. Somebody say amen. 
So it's not for us as a church either. Well, I've come and I've served a little bit and that's, you know, now I'm going to sit. Now I'm not, you know, and I'm going to disconnect and I'm just going to stay in this neutral. God wants us to go and do more and dream more. And amen. And so the scripture says that he is, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. The word of God is unfallible and it's the same. Those things don't change, but what God calls us to do is growing and abounding and doing more. I also believe this principle that here's how it works with God. When God blesses you and he blesses a church and he blesses us, the most important thing we can do in that is return it back to him. So people talk a lot about, uh, I give glory to God. And so say, oh, I'll give glory unto God. And it kind of becomes this cliche that we say, oh, I give you glory, I give you glory. But what that really comes from is that's a principle that that's how God operates. When we stop and we give thanks unto God, it like it's a recycling thing. Then he sees our heart as good stewards and we're grateful and we're thankful. So then he turns more back onto us. And turns more back onto us. So, oh, we give thanks, and then he gives back more. And that's how you see the glory of God on display in this world, is because God says they're thankful, they're grateful. I'll continue to outpour onto them. Amen. And so it's the same thing for us as a church. God, we're so thankful, we're so grateful. We give you glory for everything. And then it also opens up our lives to be able to receive that next outpouring of what he has for us. Amen. And so that's what we're looking at as a church is God, we're so thankful, we're so grateful, but we want more. People say, we want more of you. We want more of you. That's what we want as a church too. And what is that? It's that outpouring of like, hey, you've been faithful in the little. I'm going to give you more. Here's more. So as a church, we're praying about, we're talking about what does more look like? We're so thankful that the room is full and the kids' rooms are full and all, but this isn't it. We haven't arrived. We are looking for more. And so what we're going to do here as a church, and we've talked to the leadership team about it and made all the plans for it, and we're so excited to be able to tell you that starting on March the 6th, we're going to be adding a second service. And so March 6th, you'll have a 9 a.m. And uh, that group gets the donuts because we got to get you here early. <laughs> so 9 a.m. is the donut hole service. You think I'm kidding, but you're laughing because it's true. That'll get you here. And uh, so March the 6th, uh, it will be our morning, so our early service. And then we'll have 1045. And what's really great, what we've been blessed with here as a church, and this is how God's hand has been on our life, is uh, before we had to put up all these curtains on a track. And it took a lot of time and our team had to come in. And then this platform right here, it all comes in in pieces. And so they cart it down and they put it in one by one. And there's a lot of work that goes to it. Well, the process of us going to two, um, we got permission from this place. These are all on curtains now and so or on tracks. So they just slide open and close. No more ladders and setting up. And then we also got permission. They're going to recarpet the floor and we get to put in a stage that stays down. And so we're so blessed as a church that we're going to be able to basically do two services and, and uh, not ask our people to get here even earlier and stay even later. God's really positioned this to be able to, to go and to grow. And so we're, we're really grateful about that. And so uh, the two service options we're going to be able to have. And so we start a series next month uh, called uh, Contagious. And I believe what God has given to us, just like Abraham when he said that we're blessed to be a blessing, I believe what God has given to all of us is that we can go out and be contagious. Like, let's start an outbreak in our community. Not about vertical church, but about what God is doing through vertical church. Somebody say amen. And so in March, we're going to talk about contagious. But here's the best thing, is all the month of March. Uh, so February is our series contagious, and March is when we start our two services. Because of the generosity of you and the legacy offering coming in where it did, um, 
we're going to be doing this mass mailer. And the way that that works is almost now because of the generosity of you, we're going to be able to invite about 60,000 homes in our surrounding area. And so all of Holland, all of Zealand, we're going to be able to include Hudsonville and some other pockets that fit in our sort of region. And uh, we're going to invite them to these two services. And what's cool for us as a church, we did that our first service. Some of you may have heard this. Uh, our first service we ever launched, our first month as a church, we did a mass mailer, not this many uh, mailers. But we've seen about 100 people stay and stick with us. I could go all over this room and say, you, you, unfortunately, you and you. And we could, <laughs> some, some idiot, as a result of the mail piece, put a Broncos hat up here. And so some, you're like, duh, that deal here. We got a, so I'm going to pray specifically for the types of fans we want to come in. We got Spartan <laughs> fans that came as a result. So... But anyway, uh, so all around this room, and so, and, and so literally <laughs> 100 people uh, you know, have stayed as a result and connected to the body and found life again. And some said, oh, we were stuck and stagnant. We weren't connected to anything. And literally just a piece of mail came to them, and they just looked at it and said, oh, this is it for us. We need to do this. And so, um, so all throughout that month, we're going to be able to... Um, invite, you know, those are going to go out and mailers and, uh, and so invite people to hear. And so the first two weeks of that, uh, we'll be in a series called what's the point. And we're going to just be talking about to people like, what is the point in your life? What's the purpose? What is, what does God have for you? See, the stage is breaking too. So, um, good thing we're getting rid of it. Uh, I need to get back to CrossFit, but, um, anyway, <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> is the new one steel? Is that what we're doing? No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, um, so, so we're inviting all these people, and it's going to be, what's the point? Some, some people are stuck. You know, maybe they've gotten married, and they've had a couple kids, and they're sitting here going, like, what is the point to this? And we hope to be able to shine a light on, hey, get involved in a life-giving community and, and get friends, and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so then the last two weeks of the month, uh, those of you that know Nate Mariauki, uh, he's a worship leader that we have come in. Uh, his new album comes out in March, and he called us, and he chose us to be the place that he does his CD release party. Yeah, so on that mailer, yeah. So here's what's cool about this. Check this out. Uh, he got signed to a national label, and uh, his label is going to be, uh, I'm excited about it, it's going to be uh, <laughs> promoting, his, his label is going to be promoting the CD release party here, as well as our mailer will include that. And so you're talking 60-some thousand homes times two and a half people per home. Uh, and then we have his record label. And so that's on the 20th. And then the following Sunday is Easter. And Easter is always just a great Sunday as it is just because of the thing. And so we just really feel like God has put this church uh, in a position to do three services. No, I'm just kidding. But... Uh, <laughs> But God's hand, I mean, he's just really lined up. We get to open up our brand new rooms that are being remodeled. Like, uh, it's going to be amazing. And I want you to kind of buckle in and stay with us. And, uh, and so in that, we strip back and we look at, okay, what, what is the most important thing? You know, and I pray and ask God and I say, God, I, I know that you won't give us something that we're not ready to handle. That's how it works. Uh, God's not going to send us a great harvest if we aren't ready to be laborers. Somebody say Amen. This is a part where you're already going like, oh, here it comes, and this is where it's going to come. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to put it to you about we got to be laborers. God's not going to send us where we're not ready to handle, and so we got to pray, and we got to ask God, God, what do you want me to do in this season? So for us, we strip back and go, okay, what is our most important thing we do? And I told 
uh, you guys that this sermon is the most important sermon a pastor can preach. And uh, I believe that to the core of who I am, and I'll explain why later. But what we're going to talk about literally is the importance, the, the baseline. I promise you, and people on our team would tell you this too, I would shut down adult ministry to the adults to make sure that we had children's ministry. So let me say amen. So for us, the most important thing that we can talk about as a church, as a, in a sermon that a pastor could preach, and people could disagree with me and I won't even listen to you. So, uh, but the most important thing you could talk about as a pastor is reaching the next generation, is reaching kids, is reaching teenagers. And so um, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what it looks like as a church to be able to prepare for what God is sending. Uh, so before we started this church, there was a group of people, uh, they were called our launch team. And so the way that that worked is before we were at church, we met in this room. We didn't know what space we were going to have. We didn't, we didn't know anything. And we said, hey, what's it look like to start this church? What's it going to be? And how's it going to work? And and we said, hey, the most important thing we're going to do is minister to kids and, and reach people uh, of the young generation. We're not babysitters. We don't babysit kids. We minister to kids. Amen? And so we said, we just prayed, God, make that a thing. Well, what's beautiful here about this church is it's happened. We've seen it. You know, there's kids all over the place, which I'll tell you some of the statistics here in a minute. But uh, children's ministry has become not only a value here, uh, but it's priority here and uh, in reaching kids. And so to give you a little bit of my background, um, I was raised in church, and uh, my, my mom over here uh, is, is a children's minister her whole life. Um, back before there was children's ministry, she was doing it. Before they called it a thing, uh, it was a thing. And so um, if you remember that old show, Gospel Bill, where the old guy, you know, he's the Western guy and all that stuff. Well, that guy basically invented the way that children's ministry happens. And so some of his first conferences and stuff, my mom was down at. So I grew up in children's ministry and saw it. And for the first few years of my ministry, that's what I was involved in. A lot of people don't know um, here in Holland, we pastored at a church in Grand Haven, but we drove an old U-Haul truck. Uh, it was this U-Haul truck, big box truck, and we painted it all up for kids and the side folded down. And we would just show up to parking lots and schools and stuff, and we would do sidewalk Sunday school and do, you know, singing and a lesson and all this kind of stuff. And so it was kind of my first ministry and went on to sort of children's pastor and be over areas of ministry and then went into student ministry. And so just learned the core values of children's ministry. You know, I'm going to be 33 in March. And so I sort of went up the ranks with all the 20-some-year-old youth pastors that, you know, my pastor, he doesn't, he doesn't get youth ministry. And then they would say, I need to build a great youth ministry. And then a, a children's pastor would say, I need to build a great children's ministry. But let me tell you, a children's pastor and a youth pastor can't build great youth ministries and great children's ministries. It's a pastor who has a heart to value children's and youth ministries. Amen? But even beyond that, it takes <clears throat> a church to value youth and student ministries. Amen? So we think, oh, youth, give them some pizza and some things. And but no, it has to be a heart cry of the church to value student ministries. Uh, I was in an interview, and this will offend some of you, and I'm okay with that, but uh, I was in an interview for a church in North Carolina via a youth pastor, and the pastor, who is 63, uh, and he had been a pastor of the church he was over for 26 years that he started. So it was like his baby, uh, and it was in the South, so just this really high religious thing. And he said to me in the interview, he said, what does a successful youth ministry look like for you? 
I said, well, it looks, you know, if you came up to the building, it would probably look like, you know, a couple teenagers over here, maybe smoking, and then probably some kids over here, youth over here, probably with too short of skirts and some too low of tank tops, and then some things over here, and they just shocked. Well, why would that be a value to me? Because we're reaching people we need to reach. Somebody say amen. And so uh, we like to say, Oh, student group over here, they go on a mission and they put a roof on a thing and we call that student ministry. You know, student ministry is in the trenches, loving, their, loving others towards God, amen? So it doesn't take a children's pastor, a youth pastor, or even a pastor. It takes a church that's going to support the vision of reaching people and, uh, and that's what we want to be here. It's our number one. You heard me say it a minute ago. I'll shut this down to make sure that up there happens because it's the most important thing we can do. So I was raised in it. And before we started this church, uh, and I left out a lot of parts about how we got our call and stuff, but before we started this church, somebody gave us a word uh, about coming back here to start a church. And it was in our heart to do. We weren't sure the right time of it. And uh, so somebody gave us a word that said, hey, we feel like this is for you. You should, you should hear this. And it said this uh, about us coming back to start a church. If you don't know what a prophetic word is, it's where God uses somebody to speak to somebody else. And so that's what this was. And it said that, said about us, said, God is breathing on dormant seeds. The seeds you sowed in the past are coming to a multiplied harvest. The seed, the new seeds you sow, or the new seeds you plant in this season will spring up quickly and remain strong and healthy. And what was amazing to me is I automatically thought about all those years uh, that we did that ministry to the kids with the sidewalk Sunday school. And we went over there, planted these seeds and planted these seeds. And when Jess and I were talking about starting a church, I, t- I said, Jess, we can't, you know, we just resigned from this very dysfunctional position at another church that we just had to get out of. And people were saying, you should start a church. And what do you think? Is it time? And I was telling her like, we can't start a church. That takes forever, you know, and it takes a while to grow. And I don't know how literally in our lives that could come together. And we got this word that said, no, hold on. There's these seeds, somebody say amen, that have been planted and they're going to come up quick and they're going to be healthy. And this room is full of those seeds, said new seeds will come and they'll grow. You are that. That's already been like, check that word off. That's completed. Uh, God has done that. And so I believe like you are a result of just sowing seed and investing into other generations and because God, he just brings it back. That stuff doesn't die. Amen. So we just prayed that this is a place where we reach the next generation. And if you don't have kids in this room, I say all the better. Because then you have more time on your hands to invest. Amen? And I'll explain it more here. Say, oh, we're hearing a sermon about kids and all this kind of stuff. It doesn't apply to me. It does apply to you because we need you. We need you for your experience. I'm not calling you old. For your experience. But, but honestly, I'll lay it out more here in Scripture but we do need you. Uh, so when we got here, we said we wanted this place to be a place for kids. The national average is uh, a healthy church with a healthy children's ministry runs about a 22% ratio. So whatever the adult number is, a healthy church, 22% uh, of their thing should be kids. should be like a fifth grade and under kids thing. And we run on a weekly basis almost a 50% ratio of kids. They're just everywhere. And like I always joke, we find them on Mondays when we come in. <laughs> Or we at least still smell them, if you know what I mean. Um, but they, uh, and we love it. That's exactly what we want. That's what we're doing upstairs. We're expanding. We're making more room because we believe in reaching kids. And so uh, God has blessed us. He's heard our prayers. But it's important for us to be strategic about how we reach them. God won't give you what you can't handle. I thought about in Scripture, uh, 
that says that Moses, we know Moses had Joshua, and they're going to the promised land. You have Moses, then you have Joshua, and if you read later, it says that that generation after them followed, the God, followed God no more. It said it followed the Lord no more. You had all of these great miracles of God, and then there was a breakdown from what God did to how they got it to the next generation. I don't think we build a great church by having great adult church services and great men's and women Bible study. I think you build a great church by investing in generations, uh, okay, of people. And that starts all the way down at nursery. Starts all the way down, all the way up. You have to be intentional. We don't babysit, we minister. And so we have to reach them. Uh, I don't believe that kids are the next generation. Uh, and, and that's a catchphrase. Oh, we got to reach them because they're the next generation. They're the now generation. It matters what we do with them now. Um, all throughout scripture, you see that God reminds us to do things or you're reminded of generations. God says in his thing, because of this generation, because of that, because of the faithfulness and this and that, uh, it's all God is a generational God. He cares about the timeline of your family and what it looks like and how we pass things on. Amen. It's important that history is made by passing down his stories in our life. That's how you make history for the kingdom of God is you take your story, the things that his stories in our lives, and we get those into future generations. We get those into our kids. Amen. They say 90% of fundamental learning happens by the age of five. 90% of fundamental learning, or they learn the most that they learn in a lifetime walking, talking, all the developments, all this kind of stuff uh, happens before the age of five. So why do we spend so much time just talking to you old people, <laughs> right? <laughs> Most of y'all can't remember anyway after a few, you know, like, what was that thing you said? With the <laughs> and I'm 33. I'm closer to 40 than 21 now, so I'm catching up to you. Um, but here's the truth. Why wouldn't we spend all this energy being there in the beginning of their stages, showing them the word of God, teaching them the values of God, unlocking the promises that God has for them in their life at a young age? Amen. When you serve in kids ministry, think about this. If they're developing and, and, and opening their gifts and, and unwrapping the things that God has for them now, if they're in that process right now, Literally, when you serve in kids' ministry and you reach the next generation, you're literally helping them unlock and open up the God plans that they have in their life. You're not just like reading a Bible story. You're opening their eyes to God in their life. For the early chapters of God in their life, you're helping write. It's just an amazing perspective. I have this video that I brought of Caroline we're going to look at in a minute. Um, it's Christmas, and so um, <coughs> I'm not really the... The guy who like videotapes everything uh, and like gives the narrative to the whole thing. But I just, for whatever reason on Christmas, I kind of watch her open a few things. So here's what I want you to see in this video. She's unwrapping a present and there's nothing spiritual about it. It's like a Disney thing, but uh, she's unwrapping this present and she's three. And um, what I want you to watch is like the amazement and the wonder. She gets it open and she wow, look at this thing. And it's just a toy, so don't. there's nothing like spiritual you're going to find out of it. But watch it. My favorite thing, every gift that she opened, she said, it's just what I wanted, every single one. <laughs> but you're going to say, but, but watch her open this thing and discover, and then just watch her face. When she said, oh, 
Then she asks questions about it. What about and so as our parents, and you'll hear Jess talk, we say, oh, yeah, this, that, and whatever, and, uh, and just ignore the part where she asks where the weaponry is. But, um, <laughs> but this is like a really, and so God just put this on my heart when I saw this video. But here's the deal. This is what we get to do in children's ministry spiritually in kids' lives. We get to come alongside them. It's not just serving in the nursery. It's not just playing Play-Doh with kids. You're coming alongside them, and you're helping them discover God in life with them. So this is kind of a, a real-life example of what we get to do on a Sunday in kids' lives. We open the wonder. We get to wake up. Go ahead, guys. The wonder uh, in their lives. She gets her hair from her mom. I'm guessing because we told her to guess. I'm guessing. toy without weaponry which was a but do you see what I'm saying I mean spiritually that's what you get to do you get to open up the wonder with them you're not just serving and like putting out coloring sheets you're coming alongside the now generation of of our church and you're saying hey like let's develop this let's help you wake up the wonder of God in their lives it's so funny how much time we spend researching like the right kind of cups and the right kind of food and we, you know, for our kids and all this investment we put into things that are important. But how much more should we be there alongside them, making sure they're set up and equipped for the God things in their life? Amen. Scripture says that children are like arrows to be aimed. It says that our kids are like arrows in our hands, like we're warriors and we're called to aim our kids. You're not called to tame your kids. Too many churches are taming their children's ministries instead of aiming their children's ministries. Amen? We got to get up there and we say, what, what, what can we do in their lives? How can we use them? How can we position them? How can we make sure they're unwrapping the wonder of all of the things of God? We got to aim them and not tame them. Amen? So, so what does that look like for you? How can you be a part of that? How could you support that? Uh, I thought about this. The scripture says that anyone who gives a drink to a child is what the scripture, not a drink. It's a whole other church, I think. But uh, yeah, a cup of water is what the script. Thank you, Mom. Uh, anyone who gives a drink to a kid, <laughs> no. Anyone who gives a cup of water, the, the analogy in the scripture is literally like, hey, if you meet the need of a child, if you can even just give them a cup of water, if you can just play Play-Doh, if you can just help with a color sheet, if you can do a memory verse with a child, the scripture says it's like you've done it unto God. We're not just babysitting up there. We're not just... No, we're, we're ministering as if unto God. Amen? So it's important. The scripture says that God says, don't do anything that would hinder kids from coming to him, to God. I would hate it that our church may have a shortage in workers or a shortage in help or a shortage in people praying for our kids that people would, kids would be hindered by coming to God because we didn't have enough help or we didn't have enough people in position. That would be the worst thing that I could hear. Amen? We have to pass it on. What you do is like a seed that is sown into generations. Second Timothy even talks about this. Second Timothy 1.5. It says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, 
It says a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Literally, we can hand down faith. You can hand down your values, your principles, all the things that you fought for and harvested, put that into a multi-generational inheritance for your kids spiritually. Amen. Hopefully you prepare some type of inheritance for your kid naturally. How much more spiritually should you be conscious in preparing what you're going to hand down spiritually to our kids? Amen. I thought about Maddie. Uh, Maddie here, you know, she's up here and plays guitar and all that other stuff she does, keys and all this stuff. I don't even know what this stuff means, but she does it all. And she's 19. Little, I say little Maddie because I knew her when she was 16. Uh, but Maddie, and, and so she works with us during the week and helps us do all the serving. She's 19. How does a 19-year-old step into a position of worship lead and do it with authority and lead us in great worship? How? It's because her parents have instilled things in her and passed things on to her. Why? Because it's a value to them. It should be a value to us. Are you going to get it perfect? Are you going to get it right? I, I, if I was you, a lot of people sitting here like, I don't know, you know, I'm going to try to raise them up and I might get it wrong. Listen, even Jesus' parents messed up. Go look in scripture. They left Jesus for a three-day travel. <laughs> it's like, wait, where's Jesus? How do you lose Jesus? <laughs> right? Hey, we're not, none of us are going to be perfect. You're not called to be perfect. You're called to be intentional and aim. Somebody say Amen. It's a big, big deal what we do with our kids and, and, and if you use the term next generation, but this generation that God has given us, they're here and it's important what we do with them. So here, it's a value that we put. Give me the next picture. So these here that you see that are lit up, uh, this is Doug. He's our tech guy. Everybody, Doug, Doug, well, he's sitting on the thing, but wave, Doug. So Doug's back there. All this that you see happen, uh, Doug and, and teams come together. And so uh, this is his boys. But here's a guy who took a day off of work and had a big list to do and was super busy trying to put all this together. And his voice came up. And what did he do? Hey, dude, hold this. Do this. Why? Because it's important to pass on to the next generation. You can't be so busy with what you have to do that you miss what you're supposed to do. You can't be so busy with what you have to do that you miss what you're supposed to do. And so this is it. This is like the picture of our church. Now, listen, <laughs> there's times that we do things here at the church that we, we can't have the whole children's ministry up with us. We're renovating and doing different things. And, and so there's times that, but I'm not calling for child labor, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but this is the heart of it. Let's be intentional in how we serve in a way that we bring them with us as we go. Amen. I'll, uh, that's why intentionally it's important for you as a parent to take advantage of our kids curriculum and our Facebook page. We have a vertical kids Facebook page you can find. We put up videos. Ch uh, Vanessa, our children's director, puts up videos to watch. And so I'll take Carolyn. I'll sit on my lap and we'll watch this video. And she said, we learned that in class and that's the owl. And he, owl, he tells us this. And this. are they going to like right there, understand the whole Bible? No, they're not supposed to. And you, you, you don't either. <laughs> Amen. But if you can take the time and they say, wow, my parents were really intentional about spending time valuing these things, then as I grow, I will make it priority to value these things. Amen. So we got to be a church that does that too. So our Facebook page and those take-home sheets, 
you know, we don't do that because we just want to make sure you have something to take home and, and then we look good. We want you to take those sheets home out of those kids' classrooms and, and do the prayers with them. And, and I'm not trying to add more work to your plate. I'm just saying you need to get intentional about what you're supposed to do instead of all the things we have to do. Uh, amen? I'll close with this. Um, there's a couple of men in this church uh, that in the very early stages, uh, we planted and it went really good and it started. And uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, we moved back in with my parents to start this church and we stayed with my parents uh, as we started into this church. And so in the first three months of this church, uh, we didn't take a salary and we just, we just were just trying to do it, just trying to make it. And, uh, and then everything was going really good. There's a guy, probably twice my age, um, and I'll just say it because he's here, but so John Tenbrink, he doesn't know. Uh, he pulls me aside on a Super Bowl party uh, that we were doing a couple years ago, and uh, he says, hey, I got to talk to you. I say, okay, you know, because you never know. Uh, he's a great guy. He loves us, and so I wasn't worried about what he's saying. He says, hey, he just starts speaking life into us. We're proud of you, and you're doing it, and we're with you and we stand and speak in life, speak in life. Now, how many you know, and he tells us this too, there's probably things that we do that are probably not to his generation style. But instead of competing with another generation, he's helped complement another generation. And that's what God has called us to do is the problem is one generation gets it to here and the next generation, they have a little difference in opinion and so they go do it their own way. And all we do as a church culture is only get to hear. Instead of learning to stand on each other's shoulders, a young generation honor this generation while the older generation compliments and gives back and reinvests and shares. With the, and that's how we continue to climb higher as a church culture. So often, John will send me a message on Facebook. And now it's not like, hey man, praying for you. Like, you know, he sends me a message at length. Hey, we love you guys. We're praying for you. We're cheering for you. We stand. I, I like, I, that doesn't, it, it means a ton to me, but personally, like, it means more that that's his picture for this church body. As someone's like, hey, we're going to make it happen. We're going to make it happen. We're going to make sure the next generation wins and goes and thrives and wins. That's his thing. I got another email, uh, Seitzman's Becky's here. Uh, same thing, got a lengthy, lengthy email uh, from her husband and, and uh, it just was cheering us on, telling us they're proud of us. And I'm not asking you to do that for us. But again, it's just somebody, you know, of, a, of another generation coming and saying, hey, we're cheering, we're cheering. We're not called to compete. We're called to compliment each other from the bottom to the top and work together, take one another's hand, amen? The Barner Research Group says this and it's staggering. It says that, uh, in a group of this size, so for every, let's say for 100 kids, so for our size of a group of about 100 kids, they say about 10% of those kids, church will be the only place during their week that they feel authentic love. Genuine, no motive, no thing, but like someone taking the time to listen to them and love them and show them compassion. That means right now upstairs, 10 kids. This week, it's the only place. Some of you are going like, I brought my own kids. The ratio, listen, that's not what I'm doing. 
But as we reach out and we connect with different things and we, there's people that, there's kids that come to church and this is a place that they, they get it for the first time. They feel love for the first time as we reach out. It's important that we be there. I thought about it for parents, you know, that come here. Uh, you know, we have two young kids. I think of the moms and dads and especially single moms. They get, just getting through those doors is like the finish line. Like, oh, I've made it. By them being able to take their kids to a place that they trust and it's clean and it's safe and it's well-staffed, you don't understand just that, the ministry that that is alone to a parent who's dealing with all they got to deal with during the week. To get this hour and a half of how my kids are taken care of and I can come in and get filled up and minister to, the value of that is, is beyond what you could ever understand. So for you to sign up and go help us with the kids or do check-in or, you know, do a coloring sheet or just be someone who helps in a class, you don't understand the value that that adds to an entire church. So as we go to two services, as we get ready to grow and we get to expand, what's our prayer? Our prayer is that we get people that are going to come and staff and stock and stand with that, those kids and say, hey, we're going to make this priority because if we get them here, you get them forever. That's a promise in scripture because what does the Bible say? Train up a child in the way they should go. When they get old, they won't depart from it. It's a promise we stand as a church. If we make it happen there, it happens all the way down here. Amen. So we do. I'm giving you the hard sell. We have the cards out in the hallway right now by our uh, little square reader information table. We need helping kids. You say, I don't know. Maybe I'm not very good with kids. Can you help us with check-in? Can you make sure a name tag prints? That makes a huge difference to us. Can you color on a color sheet? Can you put Play-Doh in and out of a Play-Doh container? <laughs> Maybe some of you aren't really skilled in teaching a Bible lesson. We need you. It's not time for you to be in neutral. It's time to go forward. Let's do this. Let's, let's unwrap those gifts that we just saw. Let's wake up the wonder in our kids. Amen? The last part is this. Uh, I saw this comic strip when, uh, when I was a youth pastor uh, because teenagers can sometimes be very reserved. And uh, this comic strip was... Um, the youth pastor on one side, he calls the student. So the youth pastor's on this side with his wife. He says, hey, bud, just calling to see how you're doing, how is school? And then the student is over here on this side, and his mom is with him, and he says, uh, good. And the youth pastor's like, well, what did you, what did you do? Did you, you know, have gym, or did you, uh, you know, whatever. You know, he just gives a one-word answer. Yeah, I did, had gym, or whatever. He's like, so the youth pastor's like, well, what are you going to do this weekend? And the kid's over here like, I don't know. So the comic ends by the youth pastor, I'll talk to you later, and he, and he hangs up the phone, he turns around to his wife, he's like, that's it, I quit, I'm done, I'm not getting through to these kids, it's over, like I, I, I'm not affected, and then they, it shows the kid, he hangs up the phone, and he turns around, his mom's like, who was that? Oh, it was passing, he called me, see how I was doing, and it was, meant so much to him. That's how it sometimes happens. You go up there and you color with the kids and you do the memory verse and you sing. And you might not go home being like, man, I'm Billy Graham today. I changed the world up there. <laughs> like, I, you know, I, I think I raised a couple kids from the dead. It smelled like that in the bathroom when they came out, those kids. <laughs> but it's not going to feel like that every time. But you got to know when they leave here, mom, dad, there was a lot of workers up there. You know, they don't say that. But for us, we felt safe and we felt taken care of and we had fun and it wasn't chaotic because we had enough help. You helped unwrap God and wake up the wonder in their life of the God thing. So I need all of you 
to go take a card, sign up for kids ministry. If you serve in another area of ministry, we'll just cancel that area of ministry. We need you in kids and we honor your time. I promise you, you're not going to go up there and never come down. Uh, it's not cast away up there. We, we work with your schedule. We plan everything. We got all kinds of systems in place. We want you to have fun too while the kids have fun. But it's the most important thing we can do and the most important thing a pastor can preach is reaching families, reaching kids, reaching generations because that's how it lives on. That's how the glory of God as we work together grows. Amen? Will you stand to your feet? I'm going to encourage you to do that. I'm going to pray us out of here that just we want to be a church that God can give us more. God can give us more. We want to be able to handle what he gives us. So just pray uh, this week as you go forward. Take the card home. You don't have to turn it in this week. Uh, we, we hope that you do. But if you need some time to pray about it, take it home and ask God, you know, what can I do? Where can I serve? And, uh, but our prayer is that God just really gives us the laborers to head into what he has for us. And, it, and it's not going to be chaotic. It's going to be staffed and it's going to be fun. And uh, we can really just love on people and meet needs of people uh, through that. So we'll pray. And then I encourage you to, to go out there and, and make a commitment or pray about a commitment and see what God does through it. God, we love you so much. We're so thankful for what you're doing here. God, we know that you have great things in store uh, for this church. Lord, we know that uh, your hand is on this season that we're stepping into. And Lord, we're praying as Vertical Church, as every person here, God, we're praying that you doing a work in us, that, that we be people in position to labor and, and take in the harvest and, and do it all for your glory. Lord, we ask that as we give you thanks, Lord, that you release more unto us. And so, Lord, I pray that every child that you're going to send, Lord, we have, we have uh, the people there that can wake up the wonder in them of you, that can unlock the beauty of, of you and scripture and all the promises that you have. God, I thank you uh, that this will be a place um, that as a church, we support teenagers and, and young people. And uh, Lord, we, your word says that perfect love cast out all fear. So Lord, let this be a place so full of love that the fear uh, that teenagers may bring in pray that it vanish pray the fear of rejection and acceptance and all the things they struggle with will we pray those break off as they come through these doors as we pursue student ministries but we just thank you that your name is great and greatly to be praised so lord we do that and we just, we just open up this place to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody say amen.